You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And joining us once again, Colin Stevens is back. Uh, showed up a, a few episodes ago, sitting in for Tina, which he is again this week. He's back, baby. <laughs> Colin, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I'm always happy to be here. We got a great show for you this week. There is a new, very uh, kind of obscure 16-bit game that's getting re-released. I'm very happy to hear about it. And speaking of 16-bit re-releases, Sonic Origins is on its way, but not everyone is happy with the way it's handling uh, all of its content. But first, as a little bit of an update, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to cross over the 100-hour mark in Elden Ring. Jesus Christ, what? Oh my God. That's so many hours. I'm just about in to... such a short amount of time. This has only been like what two weeks that you've like really been getting into it. I mean, yeah, it's just all I'm playing and do when oh I'm not God. when I'm not parenting. Basically, bro, just like, is this this is gonna be like, Damon? You don't do a lot of multiplayer game. Like, this is up there for like the game you've played the most ever in I mean, terms of hours. Yeah, it's like it's like Disgaea level of hours. <laughs> uh, I guess I forgot about games. Disgaea, where it's like, well, of course I'm gonna go into this belt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> every every item in the game has its own dungeon that you can go into. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I'm just about to cross 100 hours in Elden Ring. I'm in the mountaintops of the giants. I recently beat Morgoth the Omen King, and I cheesed the mm. shit out of him. I've just basically <laughs> been cheesing my way all over the, the lands between, and it's been great. Um, yeah, I mean, they cheese you, so it's fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have no regrets. Uh, I I do it. I cheese mercilessly in that game. <laughs> no regrets. Yep, no regrets. Uh, to Colin, you've also played a lot of Elden Ring. Yeah, I um, 
I, I've been trying to sort of pace myself with it a little bit because I don't want to get burnt out because I love it so much, you know. And so I played some Kirby in the middle of it mm-hmm. and uh, could not play two more different games. <laughs> uh, and I'm reviewing a game right now um, that I don't think I can talk about, but I'm playing that right now instead of Elden Ring. But the last thing I did was beat uh, Melania, which ah. people consider to be the hardest mm, boss in the yeah. game. There you go. Uh, and I got super lucky because apparently the update that came like the right. day after I beat her made her oh, yeah. like almost unbeatable. Yeah, wow. so, like, my timing was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I have not attempted her yet. We'll see how that will go. Uh, but I had some thoughts I wanted to share. I, th- I feel like the discourse about Elden Ring needs to be tweaked slightly because the discourse is all about it's so, it's so hard. It's re- it's a very very difficult game. But I think it's more accurate to say it's only difficult compared to other modern games. And if you look at Elden Ring, uh, you know, in a vacuum, just compare it, just think about what it's trying to do. There are so many ways to mediate that difficulty. For instance, I'm I, someone who you know has struggled with these games in the past, am about to cross the hundred hour mark. You can grind, you can grind, you know, like in RPGs, you can grind levels, grind for runes, you can overlevel, return to whatever you're trying to do, and you'll be much stronger. There's plenty of places in the game to do that, uh, and the, the developers don't seem, you know, they haven't passed any of these out, so they don't seem to have a problem with that. And the interesting about the, yeah, the interesting about that though is that. It also alleviates one of the biggest frustrations with the game, which is the sense of loss that you feel when you die, when you lose your runes. If you can't get back to wherever you died, you just lose all of your runes. Most games, when you die, you just have to try again. This one, you actually lose the most, like the lifeblood of the game, everything you used to level up and buy items. But if you're overleveled, then all of a sudden the enemies aren't aren't dropping significant amounts of runes, so you don't care. And it totally like frees you of that sense of loss. Mm -hmm. It does. What level are you at right now? Oh man, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Over a hundred? No, not over. I don't. I, mean, I think I'm like 80, 80, 90 around there. So it's so weird because I never, I never ru- like um, farmed for runes at all. I just sort of played everything I could before progressing with the story. Mm-hmm. And somehow, in doing that, I wound up getting to like level one hundred and forty-five. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you get to a certain point, like it gets, it takes so many freaking runes to get oh, to I the know. next level. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm at the point where I think it's almost two hundred thousand runes that I need to get oh to another gosh. level. So it's just like if I lose like thirty thousand runes, which would have really upset me like thirty hours ago in the game. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah, I can beat like two enemies and get thirty thousand mm-hmm. runes, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you, you reach a point where you you don't feel the sting of losing them any longer. And then also, so much of the game, Sam. This is what I wanted to point out to you. Should you should you give Elden Ring another? shot I, I think you should think of it a little bit like symphony of the night which you describe mm-hmm. it's all about you know seeing about how far you can push yourself to find yeah. the next save room the next save yeah mm-hmm. and that's what the sights of grace are in uh yeah. elder ring you know you're always like i you know shh, i've got if you if you if you have runes you want to keep you're like oh, i don't know i've got fifteen thousand runes now should i yeah. keep trying to find the next side of grace or should i just warp back <laughs> you know yeah. to safety and the game is also it's very much like that and like i said if you're if you're freed of the worry of losing those runes then you're much more adventurous trying to find the next set of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. plus you can look up where the next set of grace is and exactly if you're really exactly. stressed out you can just use a guide exactly mm-hmm. the other thing is uh the enemy ai is actually not that smart it's pretty no. easy you have you can you know you can you can stealth you can sneak 
pretty easy to sneak up on enemies. If you don't walk right in front of their face, they're not going to see you. If you get behind enemies, you can do a backstab, which isn't always a one-hit kill, but it will take away a huge chunk of their life. It's super easy to do. It also means that if there's like a tough uh, group of enemies, you can probably just run past them. Like You don't have to yeah. like, you don't have to engage. You can just run past them. And the cool thing is that when you die, you only use your rune, lose your runes. You don't lose any items. So if you're like, if, I, if I'm in a dungeon and there's a, a room with an item in it and some tough enemies, I just like run in as fast as I can, die. pick up all the items, and then say, fuck you. Who cares if I die? I keep all my yeah. items. Yep. That was the same yeah. way. Like I, I am not playing Elden Ring, but that's the way I was playing it. It's like I just ignoring a lot of enemies and running around, scooping up as many items as I could. Yep. You get to keep all those. Yeah, they have this thing called the, is it the flask of uh, curious physic or something like yeah, that? The yeah. thing that you can like combine tears into. Yeah. And I found a tier that gives me like the sacrificial twig effect, which makes it so if I take that potion and I die, I don't lose any runes yes. within like a two minute window. Yeah. So like if I ever go into an area that I'm just like, mm, yep. I might die here. I can just take a twig and I'm good. It's beautiful. <laughs> and something that I found out, if you had died previously, and you take that swig and you die after you took that swig and like say you just had zero runes you'll still have zero runes you can still pick up all the runes you lost like two lives ago oh interesting. so like it's it's like very forgiving if you can find that that's, that's cool. cool it's a good tip and then colin do you know about the uh poison mist spell have you used that so i am like purely melee in this game which i've never done before in a in a souls game but i I ended up just really liking it. Mm. So I'm aware of it, but I, 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 I do not have the faith to use it or whatever I need. I was mostly melee until I heard how you could use poison mist to cheese. So, so many enemies in the game. I post about this in the Facebook group, like any enemy yeah. that's standing still that doesn't have like a route they're patrolling. You can sneak behind them. I don't, I don't think I, I've tried on many, many enemies. I've tried it on bosses major bosses and it's worked they do not react to you casting this poison spell and they don't react as they start losing hit points so they'll just stand there until they just fall over dead and it may take a while <laughs> I, I i just on, do you on think that that's like a bug that's do you think that's like designed for what i think reason, so here's here's my thoughts okay, on like ai design in all of these games i think they're intentionally extremely video gamey mm. and extremely predictable so because the game knows it's hard it knows that it'll kill you like in just a couple hits even with like some kind of lower level enemies yeah. but like it makes it so if you are redoing the same things over and over again it's not super frustrating because you can sort of predict what will and will not happen and so like i think it fully anticipates you cheesing stuff like this all the time like mm. and that's not coming from someone who's just like Romsoft does no wrong there's nothing wrong with any of their design philosophy it's all perfect i but i do genuinely think that stuff like that is like intentional well, I I appreciate it. I use it whenever I can. There's a there's like all these you know sort of gated areas where there's a, a boss just sort of waiting for you to arrive before you can progress. But if they're not moving, I can just sneak up behind them and just start casting poison spell. Wait twenty minutes maybe, and they'll eventually I think feel over dead. Twenty minutes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think man. it's really fun. That's why he's played a hundred hours. I think it's really funny how <laughs> all those bosses are sitting there just waiting calmly, peacefully. Yeah. They're just waiting to kill you specifically. That's their only like, purpose, yep. Yeah, nothing ever fights each other in that game. Huh? There's like a well, little... You true. will sometimes yeah. see like crabs fighting other stuff. But so, so, oh, it's a monster like, fighting human things. 
But I just like they know like sometimes though, Damon, it's it's comedic. Like sometimes they do the opposite of what you're describing, where you cast poison on them till they die. Sometimes it's like you enter their area from like a half mile away and then they immediately turn around and beeline. They're like, here we go. Yeah. There's been a couple like that too. Anyway, that's my Elden Ring update. Sam, is it true you beat unpacking? Yeah, but that's not easy. That's <laughs> It's not difficult to do. <laughs> you moved in. You, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a game you could beat. Yeah, there's an ending, and there's even like a uh, uh, like an old school video game ending where like it shows like a little scene. That's all you get, aside from the satisfaction that you put all your coffee cups in a place that you're really proud of, and that makes a lot of logical sense if you're going to make coffee. And the game doesn't uh, let you get too illogical. So, do you, no. do you know this game concept at all? I know the concept, but I guess I didn't realize. There was even is that, how do you fail? How's what's the fail state of this game? There's no way to fail. You only yeah. fail by uh, you know putting your toilet paper under the wrong sink, and then it's like <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. There's little. There's also little Easter eggs for putting stuff like all the game's achievements are like if you put something in a logical place, like you put all your uh, like uh, cookie jars on the top, like on the very top shelf of your kitchen because that's where yeah. cookie jars go. Like that's the game's achievements, but it never like tells you that. It, ca- it calls it like a sometimes snack is the name of that achievement. Or right. uh, if you put your hair curler in the shower and set it down for a second, it will tell you that, you know, you won like a life risking achievement. Um, but yeah. So like the basic concept of the game is that you start, you know, in these different, it's one, one person and you're unpacking stuff from like a kid through adulthood. And so like the cool, like toy story aspect of it is that so you like see these things show up over and over again. Right. And so, yeah. and then, and, and the game progressively tells a story in a passive way. That's extremely smart. And it's just like, it's totally worth doing. And then the reason I'm playing this game, by the way, I also just started spirit fair and I'm actually completely hooked in that game. Um, I, I did these end to end is because I'm watching so much TV right now. I cannot get back into Elden Ring. I just don't have the time. So I need to play things that like I have 20 minutes, you know, 30 minutes for uh, because I'm trying to keep up on all these contemporary shows and they're bad shows too. like, you know, like Picard, like I have to watch every Star Trek. I'm compelled to, but like the season's not going great. And Halo, like I love Halo too, like crazy, but I have to watch it. So there's that stuff on top of the shows that I want to watch. So that's basically like my my gameplay right now is keeping up on all the sci-fi stuff. You know, I will sure. say our flag means death is amazing. OK, Do you know, what that is I've just heard the name. It's Taika Waititi's, uh, and then it's his cast of, the, the kind of cast of comedians from What We Do in the Shadows is basically, you, you'll recognize so many people in it. Like, it's yeah. like, it's that, it's that, you know, mindset and that type of humor about pirates. And it's like, cool. I think it's mid-season or just finished its season on HBO, but it's so good to start it right now because, like, you need to watch a couple episodes uh, and okay. it's better to watch them back to back. And then uh, there's like a little bit of a twist. And then, like, the cast is really good after that. There's, like, an int- introductory character. Anyway, digression. Unpacking, super cool, recommend it. And you can play it in these little little sections, and it tells a story. <clears throat> they do. I, I played Unpacking, I think, in one sitting and loved it. I don't know if I ever talked about it on GameScoop. Um, and, you know, it's, like, three hours long. One so it's like sitting? You could... yeah, your, I mean... your brain must have been, like, putting so many things into invisible containers as you fell asleep that night. I was very... It was a very stressful time, and the game <laughs> is perfect for that. Like, but, you know, like Sam alluded to, you're it's one person from the time they're a kid to the time you know all the way through their life each time they're moving into a new place so you see them move into their first 
you know, really, really crappy college dorm and then like their first apartment. And then like you see them progress and unpack all their stuff. And and then the story takes some interesting turns based off how they're moving and what they're doing. But one really cute thing is um, they have a little teddy bear that like follows them. Like they take it with them everywhere through their whole life. And it gets like rattier and older as they go. And then you always have to figure out like where in their life, you know, like they're clearly middle-aged now, like where do they want to put this sentimental teddy bear? That's like important to them. And mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to make like tough choices. Like, Ooh, maybe it goes under the bed. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know where to put it anymore. Um, but it's very fun. It's very open-ended. You can't fail. So it's like, it's just satisfying. Like when you're unpacking their like kid room, like mm-hmm. where do I want to put all their action figures and you know, stuff like that. It's, it's really cute and well done. And, and like they unpack newer and more modern game consoles as the game goes yeah, on. So it does, cool. it does really clever stuff like that too. It's actually set in years. So it's like, it goes, yeah. I don't know. It's like 2003, 2006 and then 2011. And the, the the person in the game is like a few years off from me, but like overlaps with my college years, overlaps with, you know, like, like, you know, it's like not spot on, but it's close. So it's really cool because you start out with yep. a, a GameCube and it's, it's like a GameCube and the box art, you can recognize the, it's pixelated. It's like all, you know, uh, fake uh, retro graphics um, or, or retro style graphics, I should say. Um, and uh, and so you can like see like Wind Waker when you like pick up the game and you can see the GameCube art a little bit. And you know, it's cool. just all a little bit off. So you go through that and then you get a Wii and <laughs> the character only gets like, I think it's like one or two Wii games. But then they keep all of the GameCube games, you know, which is like, a, it's just like a really funny, relatable thing. It's like you can see Wii Sports and then like yeah. nothing else, you know, and then like there's like all these Blu-rays eventually. It's, it's really mm-hmm. funny. So there's little twists like that. Cool. Did you play unpacking on PC? No, I'm playing it on game pass, which makes it super oh, cool. easy. So that's, that was the thing. that's great. So I should have yep. prefaced with that. The reason I'm doing this like bubblegum gaming right now is because I grabbed that. I grabbed spirit fair. I grabbed halo wars Two, all just cause they're just like they, you just load them on game pass in like one minute and then they're just mm-hmm. there. I got a few others too. That I'm that I'm thinking about trying, but that's like kind of my order right now. I'm going to go through Spirit Fair, then I'm going to try Halo Wars too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of plumb the depths of smaller games on Game Pass. Yeah, I cool. That's cool. I didn't know that was on Game Pass. That sounds great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice. And Justin, what's the uh, Lego update? <laughs> I finished uh, Lego Harry Potter, and now I'm on to Lego Star Wars Three: The Clone Wars. Oh wow. So, like, there's these Lego games that have, like, these different milestones, right? Like, Lego Harry Potter is the first one that has, like, a hub world in it. And Lego Batman is the first one that's not, like, parodying an established movie. It's telling its own story. And, like, the the thing about Lego Clone Wars is that's the first Lego game that I didn't know. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I don't even think I knew it existed. Um, I mean, I don't know. I suppose if someone were to ask me, like, Hey, did they make a Lego game based off Clone Wars? I'd be like, yeah, I guess they did. But like, this is the first one I'm going into like completely blind. Mm-hmm. It's been good so far, but it, it, this is also the first and probably only Lego game where I don't know. I haven't seen the source material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've seen Hobbit. I've seen Lord of the Rings. I've seen all the rest of them. And so it's like, you know, it's like, there's this silly stuff happening. And I'm like, I don't have any connection to any of this. Uh-huh. It's canon, so, though. I mean, not the not the Lego game, but the show is. Yeah. So maybe we'll yeah. some stuff that like is going to be like suddenly in a, in a live action show that you're watching. You're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's from Clone Wars. Because I hear that happens a lot if you don't watch that series. Yeah, yeah definitely. Especially now with like Mandalorian and all that stuff coming mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Sam, have you watched Clone Wars? 
I've watched some of Clone Wars. Um, mo- mostly I watched uh, early on. There was like a movie that came out, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. conjunction with it. So I watched the first couple seasons, but I never watched Rebels. That's the one I haven't, I haven't mm-hmm. seen. All and I haven't seen any of Bad Batch. But yeah, I did watch the, the there's a Jabba the Hutt. Um, well, there's a there's a Hutling. Hutling. Stinky. Yeah. Named Stinky. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what the movie's about. I thought it was pretty fun. I hear some of the Clone Wars is good. I just I can't get behind the art style. I know. It I I I tried watching it front to back and like it starts off really bad. Really? Uh like pretty pretty low quality stuff. But I looked up an abridged like watch mm. order. Mm. And I recommend doing that because there's oh, actually some smart. really good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you and if you do those, they'll basically tell you like which ones to do. So you make sure you get like the Darth Maul arc and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And so that's yeah. worth it. Um, you got to do it. It's a show with a lot of filler. So if you can get away from the filler, it's great. And like I just I've tried watching Clone Wars several times and I have a sickness where I can't skip filler. Um, I just have to <laughs> even in anime, like I have to watch all the filler. And but like Clone Wars is like. It's the one except like it's a kid's show, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to watch some episode about some crappy kid that like, and, and I, I would be sitting in my basement on my giant TV watching some kid's cartoon with some kid's <laughs> plot. And I'm like, what am I doing? Um, yeah, but if you, if you actually watch like, you know, the arcs and like, you know, the stuff that is more serialized, like then it's, it's, it's the one time they make an exception to my, uh, you know, skip the filler rule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, getting into this week's news, it's become very common for even fairly obscure retro games to get re-releases now, but one game I did not expect to hear was getting re-released this week is Zero Tolerance, the 1994 Sega Genesis first-person shooter getting re-released this week as the Zero Tolerance Collection, which is funny because as far as I know, there was only ever one (laughs) Zero Tolerance. Uh, The collection is going to include the original game, which we're seeing here, this is a first-person shooter, Doom clone, running on Sega Genesis. Um, the uh, you know, as a Doom clone, as a Doom clone, no, it's it's not that spectacular, but it does run pretty well. I think uh, uh, surprisingly well on the Sega Genesis. And I believe I yeah. mentioned this game before because this game is very gory and it's awesome. It has uh. awesome. It's awesome pixelated gore, blood that splatters on the walls and slides down, and it looks really chunky like guts. And I love mm-hmm. it. It's great. That's why I recommend this game. But it includes the original and then something called Zero Tolerance Underground and then the prototype of the sequel that was never released called Beyond Zero Tolerance. That I get. The original prototype of the sequel. I don't know what Zero Tolerance Underground is. I can't find any reference to it online. (laughs) But it's in this game. Three Zero Tolerance games. Wow. Yeah, the, the the Genesis is really working hard in this game. It, it doesn't look yeah. bad. It, it holds up pretty well too. I, I but, love you know this. I played Super Nintendo Doom a lot, and the Doom clo- the this Jurassic Park is a Doom clone on it, which yeah. is fantastic. I love that game, and uh, even though it's like janky, it's like Zelda mashed up with with Doom. Like it's it's a really interesting game. Yeah. But I've never I've never played the series at all, nor do, did I think to rent it. I should I if I would have known at the time that it was Doom, like I would have because I played like every game like that. So mm-hmm. just completely how did you play it? You, you rented it at the time? I didn't play it at the time. I played it, you know, recently, you know, just through okay. via, via yeah, emulation. I don't, I don't know how available that game was in the United States at the time, but I'll have to look at that. Yeah. 
Well, Alan, if you could bring up the footage again one more time, I think the only reason it runs as well as it does is because the actual play field is so small yeah. on the screen. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It's like it's so crazy. Force the resolution like, to be yeah. smaller. It's easier. Yeah. This is a deathmatch mode, though. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Or maybe I, mean, I guess it might be cooperative for all I know. I'm not really sure. Look at how the, ga- the game itself it's just, is like. It's like it's basically like when you're driving, it's the rearview mirror, <laughs> like yeah. compared to your well, windshield. And like, and like TVs, TVs were already 13 inches back then. Like the yeah. game is yeah. an inch and a half tall. <laughs> and it works. I love the wide aspect of it. they just have this guy's like yeah, driver's license or whatever the hell this Captain, is. Well, they like, always had to find that filler. information. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah. It's to- you're totally right. Like all the games that had that always had like a funny heads up filler area. And they just had to do that. The map looks great here, though. Like look how much the that's map's cool. working hard, too. Yeah, with yeah. like real time updates of the dots. Like that's that's a whole separate. I don't know. That's it's a cool little engine we're seeing here for the Genesis. Well, in case anyone was wondering if Zero Tolerance Collection is worth picking up, I have the Electronic Gaming Monthly review from Ooh. 1994. This is from September. They gave it a nine, a six, a seven, and an eight. So pretty good. Wow. I'll read the nine score. For those of you who can't get enough Wolfenstein and Doom, Accolade has got a new first-person game that's sure to test your mettle. Zero Tolerance surprisingly uh, scrolls smoothly and plays great. At times, the enemy can get pretty cheap. The levels are huge, and I like all the weapons you can pick up. Overall, Zero Tolerance is a fast-paced shooter that shines particularly well on the Sega Genesis. Then at the other end, the low score of the six said Zero Tolerance is one of the most violent games I have ever played. The gore, blood, and carnage uh, throughout the levels are excellent. It's great. <laughs> sorry, the text is very small. It's great tagging every enemy in sight with all the cool weapons. As a one-player game, it's great. I just don't care for the two-player simultaneous game. Maybe it's because I want to do all the killing. So I guess it is cooperative. Capping my partner was fun sometimes. Maybe not. The control also needs weeding out. That's a six. Mm. Mm. That's a really that's like really glowing praise. Actually, that's a really high yeah. high scoring. I, I, it doesn't match up to me. Yeah, you do have to you do have to imagine playing this on that chonky Genesis controller and how much that would contribute <laughs> to the pain of this game. Three buttons. You, they did, had to make games three buttons, even though they had the six button. Did you pick up on um, how that game, like the, the clearly like deathmatch, hadn't entered the nomenclature yeah, yet? I guess for so. like game critics, like yeah. the two-player mode, like it's just, it's just funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Zero Tolerance Collection is coming sometime this year for everything. It's even coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X. So looking forward to that. Whether you like it or not, chunky bloody pixels sliding down walls on my PS5. <laughs> I want every game described that way. Chucky Blade. Look, Le- no, Lego Skywalker Saga is coming to Switch whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Oh, hey. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Overlord of the Superfans Matt Jones did. Matt writes in to say, I'm a 2D... Wait, wait, is that a self-described title? Uh, hmm. I knighted I, I, I yeah. him that title many, many years ago. Yeah, many he's been writing in almost Lord as long, Lord. maybe longer than Big he's, Tony style. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the original GameScoop superfan. Why don't you pause before his name? It's just that's not how you pronounce his name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Big Tony style. His name actually just has <laughs> 10 spaces in front of it. So that's, you have how to, yeah, that's how ellipsis. it's pronounced. Big Tony style. <laughs> <laughs> Matt says, I'm a 2D Sonic fan. I love Sonics 1 through 3. 
I think Sonic Mania was an incredible continuation of that tradition. So when Sonic Origins was announced, I was super excited. Then they released the trailer and I was even more excited. Hearing that some of the people who helped make Sonic Mania took the lead on these remasters was great. And then they revealed the whole DLC situation. Pretty much all of the DLC is stuff that should 100% be included in the main game. Additional Genesis music, camera controls in the main menu, letterbox backgrounds, all those things for $5 or a pre-order bonus. Ridiculous. Sonic has a lot of goodwill, goodwill from two pretty good movies and Sonic Mania recently, so I don't know what they were thinking with this move. Uh, and it is it's, it's an interesting and very confusing situation. Like it's whether or not you think like the way they're handling it is like, you know, greedy or unfair. It's confused. It shouldn't be confusing knowing how to get all the content in the game. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just stupid. Like it's, stu- it's so silly to me that it's $5. It's like they had to make this giant matrix of like what comes in what edition just to sell the game for 40 bucks and then sell like a fancier version of the game for $45. It's like, just charge $45 and put that stuff in the game. Like why the amount of work that they made for themselves just to sell a $5 version of the game. There it is. It's so like, I don't, I don't even necessarily have an opinion on like, you know, whatever, like deluxe editions of games have existed, you know, for over a decade now. I'm more, I'm just so baffled by the fact that it's $5 more. But they use little rings to mark the yeah, chart. I know. <laughs> there should be one version that comes with all the rings. Yeah, Not so a, for nothing you, has all the rings. For those that are listening that can't see this, there is a there's an infographic that Sega released that we're showing on the show. You can check it out on IGN or YouTube. And uh, it's this it's it's a, a a complex little table that shows what's in everything. But the best part about it is that if you get the deluxe edition that you pay more for, it doesn't come with everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, to get everything, you also have to, I believe, pre-order it. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess if you or pay five dollars, if you pre-order the digital deluxe edition, yeah, that's the so only have, way to get everything. But if you but, buy yeah. the digital deluxe edition after, you won't get one hundred bonus coins, whatever that means, mirror mode or letterbox backgrounds. Yeah, background. Yeah, background. Yeah, which is so, important. It's a, it's a Sonic's license in the lower right corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I'm going to buy this. Though. Like, I'm on record. I'm afraid to even bring up Sonic the Hedgehog on this show because they, mm. they come after me once a year or so. Um, I'm a known I'm a known Sonic hater, but the truth is that I grew up with the Genesis. I was a Genesis gr- kid growing up. I was not a Super Nintendo kid growing up, and so like that music and the the visuals like that triggers much deeper nostalgia for me than like you know than than Super Mario World does. If I'm being honest, and so. I haven't played these games, you know, in a long, long time. And, um, you know, I watch both the movies with my kids and they're really cute. Um, so I'm, I, I don't know. Like, I think I'm going to buy it for 40 bucks for, you know, four classics. Let's go. I'm on yeah. board. So it's the first, it's Sonic's one, two, th- one, two, and three, and then Sonic CD. Uh, Sonic and yeah. And Sonic, Sonic three and Knuckles and That's Sonic yeah. CD. Yeah. 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 And then there's another eight pieces of content that are not included in the standard edition. They're just spread across all these different editions. <laughs> the craziest thing to me is that uh, one of the things that's locked behind this premium fun pack uh, that I guess is five bucks is character animation in the main menu. I was, ho- I was hoping you'd bring that up. It's so stupid. What? So just like, yeah. if you don't, uh-huh, if you, you don't pay extra, what I'm trying to think the main menu is just like, it's usually just a big Sonic, right? With his like, well, there's probably a, a, a overall menu screen, right? right? 
my other favorite one was um the music visualizer like in the soundtrack mode the characters only animate if you buy the five dollar dlc like what it's so stupid (laughs) like in my mind it's just like you know honestly sell one version of this game make it 45 dollars. put everything in it Sure. Uh, like, like I, I, I like pro consumer, like being able to give them like a cheaper option. But like Justin was saying, it's like four or five dollars. Like it, it's just they made such a big mess out of something that should have been like an absolute easy home run for them. Well, let me put this into perspective. Sonic the Hedgehog four came out as an episodic game. I know. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> on on phones, right? It was a mobile game. No, okay. it was on everything, and it I was on everything. Playing okay. phones. Um. I think I reviewed it too. This is really? one of those one of those Damon moments. That's what we're calling them. Oh, um, I did that. I, I did that recently with um. I was doing research for my Lego project, and I reviewed I reviewed Lego Harry Potter two for IGN. And I'm like, a I don't remember reviewing that game, but b in yeah. scarier, I don't even remember playing that game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I did. Like, well, I remember. So I remember testing the PS Vita version, and just I remember doing that. Like, that's my memory. And like, but clearly, I played through the whole game on like Xbox or something. I don't know. Yeah, I played Sonic uh, Four and probably Wii or something. Um, the uh, that and you know that's also like you know why why exclude that? Why exclude color? I don't get this stuff, man. Like Sonic One, Two, and Three, you can play it anywhere. You can buy like w- the worst Sega Genesis. Uh, off the shelf thing. Remember that one that you got, Damon? The at uh, at games one. Yeah, like yeah. they all have good versions of Sonic at least on them. And so, yeah. uh, what I do really like that there's like a widescreen, re- absolutely done in engine, like redone version of this, and it looks like you know frame rate will like look really cool and stuff like that. Like that's a cool way to like kind of you know redo old games. But like, yeah, it's hard for me to get excited about these. I, I love these games. I played them so much though. Like I I don't know if I want to own them in another way. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking on Steam. So, the original Sonic games are five dollars each on Steam, so you can get those four games for twenty bucks. And then, and I I know that CD is not in Genesis collections because it's not a Genesis game, so the, that's a little bit oh. less accessible. But it's around. Right? Wait, wait. What are you saying again about Sonic CD? About? Oh, the okay. game. Well, I was well, I was going to point out that Sega Genesis Classics is an awesome collection and it's on the PlayStation Spring sale right now. 67% off. It's only 10 bucks. And that includes Sonic's one and two. It doesn't have three or CD. I remember. Yeah, it was weird. But, three. you know, it has like every, almost every other great Sega Genesis game on there. Shining Force one and two, yeah. uh, you know, Streets of Rage, one, two, three, Golden Axe, one, two, three, crazy stuff like Crackdown, Comic Zone, Decapitation. I definitely want to like throw this, this Sonic, collection will be fun to like throw on a tv in the office if we ever yeah. work in an office together again right because like people will play through them and you know they get impossible after level four but uh they're fun and like maybe it'll have some save states and rewinds and stuff like that to make them more accessible you see that oh one really cool thing it has is it has this cool mission mode that's like you know it's like you know beat a level without what but getting fewer than five coins or like destroy five yeah. of this enemy in a level like like any remix type stuff i love that so i, me too. I can't I, slag I, that I, I love it. And then I think, I don't know that this is true, but I think you earn like little coins that let you unlock, you know, the music tracks and little bonuses and stuff like that. So that's that, what you that's need pretty, those hundred free coins for. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. They're well, using coins, even though the game is about rings. I just want to point that out. Different currencies. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sonic Origins is out June 23rd and good luck to all Scoop Nation who wants to try and get all the content. It's hard to uh, see Sega going back on this decision too. We'll see. 
Oh, I was, yeah. I, I was going to wonder. I was actually going to ask that thing too. Yeah. yeah. Um, like other companies, what, what's, like EA might change their policy or something, but like Sega of Japan, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's unlikely. Let's see. I could see them saying, we're just going to give you everybody this $5 stuff. Maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Maybe you have to beat every level on, you know, hard mode and you can unlock it that way. Except you can't play hard mode unless you get this one version. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is Mike in Toronto, and he wants to know if you're up for some video game trivia. I mean, says sure. I, I noticed you like back playing half of this episode. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't really have a choice because we're just here on the show. Right, yeah. <laughs> he says I. I right, you like. Go. See ya. Not not ready for some trivia. <laughs> uh, he says I noticed you like playing parlor games from time to time on Game Scoop, like GameScope, the uh, uh, real mature video games one, yeah, and of course, starting to sound very super villain. Video game 20 questions, but a notable omission is a gaming trivia, probably because it's a chore to come up with the questions yourself. To help lighten Damon's workload, I've come up with 10 gaming trivia questions you might wish to use on the show. Here we go. After Mario and Mega Man, which video game franchise has seen the most entries? Why? I wouldn't even think Mario and Mega Man would have the most entries. (laughs) Yeah, same. Like Uh, King of Fighters, there's 17 of them. I don't know. I don't know how so to get, answer this. Is this is this is this including like non mainline entries then? So like just real, real deep spin-off stuff? I've provided all I've provided all the information, all the information. I have. All right, then I'm gonna go with Final Fantasy. 
Mike, Donkey Kong. There. Mike in Toronto says Sonic the Hedgehog. I was about to say Sonic. There's a lot sorry. of Sonic. You didn't let me, didn't let me answer. Sure. <laughs> All right, oh, sorry. sorry, Colin. <laughs> Make sure everyone gets in there. Okay, in Colin, the early, you can just answer the next one. You're by yourself. All right, fine. Answer Sonic. Gotta get it right then. Okay. In the early PlayStation Classic Jumping Flash, you control what kind of robotic animal? It could be Sonic the Hedgehog. Rabbit. I think it's a rabbit. <laughs> it is a rabbit. It is a rabbit. What was the original? Yeah. What was the original pack-in game for the Sega Genesis? Altered Beast. Oh, so, yeah, Altered Beast, right? It was really? Altered Beast. I did not know that. In Star Wars, Masters of the Terrascasi, just what is the Terrascasi? These are really um, hard. I know a lot about video I games, I think. I, I, uh, I think it's a uh, like an order of um, of uh, powered up um, people that are not Jedi. Or maybe I'm, I'm going to guess it's a lightsaber fighting style. I'm going to guess that it's just the arena that they fight in. Justin right, is close. Justin's closest. It's just the fighting style. It's the fighting style okay. they're using. <laughs> Even though it's like a Wookiee up against a Jedi? <laughs> a Wookie well, up against- it's all Terrascasi. Princess Leia. <laughs> uh, on what date was Sega's Dreamcast released in North America? Uh, it was 9999. Yeah. 9999. I like this question. This is a good one. What game features Sean Connery's final performance as James Bond? <laughs> oh. it's, it's not James Bond Jr., right? <laughs> Uh, uh, they, they they had that they had that EA made that I can picture the game they had like it's called like Bond like Legends or something like that where they brought well, back I, multiple I, Bonds right I bet it's just Goldeneye because there's like a Sean Connery Bond that you can unlock and play as hmm. but I, don't, but I, I don't know he wouldn't have provided like any sort of voice for that but apparently 2005's From Russia With Love actually features cool. Sean Connery that's hmm. great oh yeah. hmm. There was a game. I'm looking at it. There was a game called 007 Legends, but it was right. not at all what I just said. It was, so. <laughs> it's a Lego game. <laughs> it sounds like that. It's a Lego game. Uh, what was the final game officially released for the NES in North America? Um, ooh, there's late, a couple options. Late NES so Yoshi's Wario's, Cookie. Wario's Woods has a rate, game rating on it, so I would say probably that. It's Wario's Woods. Yeah! <laughs> Couple more. The NES pseudo classic Faxanadu is the sequel to what Japanese PC original? Um, first of all, there's some question about the pronunciation of that game now, which I've mentioned on the show before. <laughs> yeah. It could be Fazanadu. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's a sequel to a, a, a PC RPG? Jap- Japanese PC game. And let me just ask you one question, Damon. Do you, did you know the name of this Japanese PC game? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been prompted, but once you know it, it's, it's very, very obvious what it would be. Mm. Baxana one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. The original, the game that Faxana do is a sequel to is called Xanadu. I was going to say that. Ah, oh. I was thinking that too. Uh, I was going to make a joke saying like Xanadu 2, like Rosebud or some stupid <laughs> yeah. reference. I like Faxana 1. Um, I, uh, uh, but it's also it's fantasy Xanadu. So is the first game not fantasy? I don't get it. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, and then the fi- final question, final question of, of these three, which characters do not appear in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale? Crash Bandicoot, Kratos, or Ratchet? Crash. Crash. Yeah. 
It is Crash. Apparently, Crash was not in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Just crazy. Sure, it's just Crash is on multi by that point, maybe. Yeah, it's Activision. I, I guess he had gone to Activision. Yeah. Anyway, nice. I'm still upset about the Fizanerdu question. I'm just trying <laughs> out the pronunciation on because I can. I have like you know. I don't have photographic memory, but I, I have something something like it. And I just saw the Wikipedia page, and I can picture reading the facts that I was just I can read off about Faxana do, and that would have been clearly on that, and I didn't, I didn't internalize it. Very disappointing. Okay, this is Max the Frenchman from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time writer, here's a short question, which I hope you will all enjoy discussing. We often talk about what our favorite video games are or who our favorite characters are, but recently I've been wondering what my all-time favorite in-game locations were. By location, I mean a specific place within the game where part of the action or story takes place. It could be a building, a town, or even an entire map area that you thought was either beautiful or well-designed that triggers intense gaming nostalgia for you. For example, I always think fondly of Midgar and the Shinra building, in OG Final Fantasy VII, the mansion in the OG Resident Evil, uh, someplace in Dark Souls, and or the Skellig Islands in Witcher 3. All are places that remind me of my past gaming achievements and how amazing video game worlds can be. GameScoop, what are your favorite in-game locations? I didn't I didn't give any thought to this prior to the show. I wish I would have, because I'm I feel ready like to go. I could, yeah, okay. go for it. Okay, so I like castles. I think they're really cool. And so when I, I and I, there's an obvious one, I, I think Castlevania 1 specifically has the coolest castles. 2 just has a bunch of mansions. Come on. I mean, it has a castle at the end, but mansions, I'm not, I'm not as into as castles. So uh, Castlevania is really cool. And I love specifically the sense of place that you get because it shows the clock tower in the background on, you know, world, whatever, three or four. You can like that's see cool. it and then you like get to it by the end of the game. Love that. And then uh, I really like in Dragon Slayer, that's like a really cartoony, cool kind of Disney castle. That is another one that I just adore. And then uh, one of the other games I wanted to call out, which is weird, that I really like is Goonies uh, 2. Whoa. Uh, I like Goonies 1 also. They both start in that, um, you know, the, the summer restaurant. Um, and then they both go, like, go to subterranean levels. And it's awesome. Like, it's just like really like a cool sense of place. And then that links to my final one, which I, I know may ho hopefully spawns other people's memories. But I, I love the text adventure Zork um, and the underground empire. And Zork is uh, you know very near and dear to me. I love it. Described well in text. And then in these funny CD-ROM games later, like Return to Zork, they like realized it in graphics. You know, you can kind of compare your memory of it, or, you know, mm -hmm. your, your internal, uh, you know, concept of it but that game is all about like everything's underground right so there's like giant environments and, and huge areas that are like carefully like carved into the sides of caves and then you're in very dark areas and very beautiful areas and i i just love it i think it's mm -hmm. like the cool setting did you get the question yeah that was great <laughs> okay Colin? um i really love the beginning sections in zelda games specifically like 3d zelda games mm -hmm. they're, they're like they're very like age of innocency, very like pastoral, very much like you're just sort of a kid before you go off on this big adventure, you know? And there's just something very like quaint and calming to all of it, like Kakariko Village and Ocarina of Time. Um, but I think 
I think my favorite is Outset Island from Wind Waker. Like it's just such great island. It's just it's just such a little vibe. Like I wish that there was more on that island just so I could spend more time there. Yeah. Unlike Link to the Past, where it's just rainy and your uncle's dead. Like, okay, <laughs> here goes the game. Just throw you into it. <laughs> Justin, and then come to you. Yeah. I regret, like, I may want to, like, come back to this next week. Like, the two that are, like, in my brain, and I don't know that these are actually my favorite, but as I said, I didn't prep in advance, are uh, Balaam Garden from Final Fantasy VIII, which is the mm. opening hours of the game takes place there, and it's just sort of a, it's like a school, you know, a cool school where you start the game, and it's a really, really neat location. And then um, the Citadel from Mass Effect are, is another mm. very memorable. Yeah memorable location that you revisit sort of you return to it throughout the game and you know advance a lot of uh uh side quests and stuff there meet a lot of interesting characters mm-hmm. um, I, have a, I have a runner-up castle that justin i bet you'll agree with which is the mario 64 castle yeah oh, yeah. oh man great place yeah. it has a sense of like architecture and like and like interconnected secret passages and like you know the layout of that in your brain and it's like yeah. full of surprises. And I think that's like a, it's a great game. Of and Banjo-Kazooie did a pretty good job with Grinsulta's Mountain doing that too. But uh, I think it, yeah, Mario Castle. It, it well, is, it's got I crazy slides. Yeah, it's got crazy slides. I saw a really interesting YouTube essay that like I never felt about Mario 64 this way, but they talked about how as a kid, they found it really scary and creepy because of how lonely it is. Like Mario's mm-hmm. footsteps are really echoey through the castle. You never meet anybody else. It's completely empty and it's um, loaded with ghosts, and rabbits. Yeah. And and <laughs> just sort of it's got this kind of weird vibe to it that like, again, I never like I think I was a little bit too old like when I played that game. But if you played that game when you were like, Three or four years younger than me, yeah, I could see it being kind of a creepy place. Technically, but, um, you're never alone because Lucky Two is right behind you. <laughs> yeah, I love that that game has a canon reason for just the the camera, yeah. like what the camera is. Uh, I had a couple. I have a classic one and then a more uh, modern one. My classic one is Castle Shadowgate. Probably isn't too surprising. Another castle. Long time listeners of this show. Uh, as a kid, it totally captivated me. I know that it's a point and click game. Shadowgate is, and I know that. Uh, you know, not everyone has the patience for that, but just the sense that I had of that I was like exploring this really creepy castle and there's all these cool, you know, monsters everywhere and weird traps and all mm-hmm. that. I've like, I yearn for like a modern game that's like that where I, you know, I imagine a game that's as beautiful as like Horizon Forbidden West where I, I am free to roam uh, a creepy castle. So things like Resident Evil Village or get a little bit close to that, but it's not. I didn't know you're a castle boy too. Yeah, castle boy. <laughs> yeah, we all we all are. Yeah, good. He doesn't love I a good go castle. to some real castles. I miss them. I go to Europe yeah. for that or weird parts of America. There's one in Napa that's a winery, uh, Sam. I forget the name, but I, we, we I checked it out over Christmas. It has a dungeon. Yeah, it's cool. Didn't that didn't get that get nailed pretty hard in the last fire? I was there over Christmas. It was oh, phew. up yeah. and running. It was good. Yeah, yeah I got you. You would hope that the stone would sort of protect it from the fire. It's kind of the whole point of a castle, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then my modern one is uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I think yeah. it would be the mm. Aegean Sea. Just sailing the Aegean Sea. Like, I love cool. the water. I love being out on the water anyway. But a, a, a common daydream of mine is just like, imagine like the world back then would have been so beautiful and pristine there would be no pollution right there's not a single bit of plastic in that sea it'd be i just can't uh, it's hard to even like <clears throat> picture how 
nice the world must have been back then. But in a game like Assassin's Creed, you know, I kind of like feel like I'm I'm back there. It's great. Um, before we jump into twenty questions, I have there's a, a sort of a companion question that see we got an email from when back from when Tina was hosting. This is a rejected question. Tina rejected this question. I want everyone to know. Oh, that's such a harsh way to put I, it. I know. On I'm blast. Just, I'm she just was so excited about it. She sent it back to Damon to use. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It comes from Ryan. Ryan says, hey, Omega Cops. I'm a listener of almost eight years now. I quite enjoy traveling. I miss being able to go to fun places and eat delicious food. That being said, what state or country would you like a video game to be set? And what kind of video game would you like it to be? Have a great day. You know, when I was thinking about this, I don't, I was having a hard time coming up with like modern parts of the world that haven't gotten a video game yet. Yeah. I, yeah. It's Hawaii right? needs to get its due. Like it's such a beautiful place. Hawaii? But like for whatever Hawaii reason, yeah. Be. Like like we always like use Florida or something. And it's like Florida's yeah. fine. I lived there for a while. But it's I, like, and not, and not, not to contradict Hawaii. you, there's a Pokemon game set in fake Hawaii that and that's the that's best true. part about it. But that's what it's I like. That, that's it. very like, true. I want yeah. I want more of that, you know? I think yeah. that's a really good call. The next GTA should be in Hawaii. It's Plus, right now. Yeah, and it's like exactly it's like a, such a good microcosm of environments. I mean, there's like actually mm. snow, desert, swamp, mm -hmm. jungle, beach. Like it is it's a video game when you go there. It's unbelievable, especially the big island, volcano. There's always a boss level, you know? It's a volcano. It's it's Hawaii is really a like geographical video game. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was so pumped that we finally got like I lived in San Francisco for what 15 years and we finally got that in Watch Dogs 2, which I, I actually didn't think I kind of rolled my eyes at that. I'm like, I don't care about that. But then like actually being in the game, it actually did feel really cool and special and seeing what they got right and then seeing the parts even that they didn't get right. Like mm -hmm. I was I was a lot more engrossed in that than I expected to be. Um so, you know, Watch Dogs 2 did do a great job, but I'd obviously be happy to revisit the Bay Area. It's so iconic, and I, I feel like I would like to see another game go back there. I'm trying to think about something new. Yeah. We, we, yeah, so we've gotten, gotten San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Tokyo, Pacific yeah. Northwest, the Old West with Red Dead Redemption. Like it's, yeah, Assassin's yeah. Creed is pretty much covered off on all of Europe, right? <laughs> it's only England, England, Mexico. Uh, and, and Egypt, which is a great setting. I always like yeah. that. So mm. I like uh, not necessarily games set in ancient times. I like ruins. So it's like, I think, you know, mm. games set in, you know, Cambodia's like giant civilization ruins, or um, there's ruins in Central America around uh, present day St. Louis, which are like, it was like the biggest civilization on earth at the time. That's a really cool one. And then, uh, of course, South America has like all kinds of cool stuff. Aztecs, Mayans, all those, those civilizations had really neat, you know, uh, ruin so like it'd be cool to set games in, in those places I, I like contemporary games where it's like all right well i'm fighting with guns and having fun but then like you're in this like spooky old you know castle or a, a pyramid or something it's fun. this this is me showing a lot of bias because i was born and raised and currently live in colorado um mm -hmm. but colorado is actually like it's kind of the best state like california mm -hmm. i think is the only one that like gives it a run for me um and we don't see it that often in video games. You kind of see a little bit of it in the original Horizon. But one very interesting, very weird thing, experience that I had was in the original The Last of Us, there's a sequence that takes place in a fictional college called, uh, I think it's Eastern Colorado University. Um, and it does this bizarre thing where it's like, it's um, 
physical location is basically Boulder, where the University of Colorado is. So it's got those really beautiful flat irons behind it. Its campus is laid out like exactly like Northern Colorado University. And then when you go into the dorms, it's exactly Colorado State University's dorms. So they just did a hodgepodge of those three like main universities from Colorado. And when I'm like playing that level, I get so like, just like I dissociate a little bit. I'm just like, this is so weird. Like I've been in these dorms like many times. And then you fall through and you have to fight a giant bloater. That's great. That is really good. There's, um, I, I think I'm probably showing my cultural bias here a little bit, but like, I can't think of too many video games, big AAA games that give a good representation of China, you know, either ancient mm-hmm. China or modern China. And they say I'm showing, potentially showing some cultural bias. It's because Chinese has a really robust game development scene that like, I just have to confess, sometimes those games don't even come out in English and, and, um, I'm sure that they exist, but they haven't really made their way into my awareness, but I would definitely be interested in. Like what a beautiful and diverse and just gigantic uh, part of the earth, right? That like would be awesome to be able to, um, you know, explore in sort of a traditional AAA video game format. Dynasty Warriors. <sighs> yeah. Probably. Maybe a better game set yeah. in China. <laughs> sure. I'll also, sure. are there more Dynasty Warriors games than there are Sonic games? Could be. Apparently, not according to Mike in Toronto. Um, <laughs> if you want to play a game set uh, entirely in Iceland, but not actually play Death Stranding, because Dang every it, environment was, is, mm, is Iceland. That was going to be my joke. I just wasn't fast enough. Absolutely. Wait, is it actually in Iceland? No, it no, just looks exactly like Iceland. Oh, well, I think okay. they actually like, okay. you know, shot footage there, after. right? Yeah, because it's supposed to kind of be the U.S., right? But yeah, it's not. that's what's funny. It's like Horizon, where it's like we talked about this on a, a different mm-hmm. episode, but it's like it's like contracted United States. Mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but like the post-apocalyptic version of the United States turns out it's just <laughs> moss-covered rocks, rock-covered rocks, and snow-covered rocks. That's Iceland. Well, rock-covered no rocks. I think that's just like a mountain. Yes, and there's a lot that of those. You have to walk over them. Sam, that reminds me, and I may have mentioned this before. My my son is really into like lava right now and oh, volcanoes. Yeah, man, so you I'll just show- missed that that great eruption in Iceland that you could walk well, up to. And I did. I'll too. pull up if I search like volcano 4K on YouTube. All the volcanoes are in Iceland, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, last summer there was a very safe, slow eruption that everybody was walking to. The New Yorker did a really amazing article on it. And I was there uh, during that time, but depending on the, what was happening each day, you, you couldn't access it. Like, like there was actually like, a, there was like a six hour hike and then it mm. became like a one hour hike. And then it was back to like an eight hour hike because of actual lava rivers, right? Uh, because it cut off places to go. But one night, we were walking and it was like, you know, the sun is up all night there. So it's like mm-hmm. jet lag walking at like 1am, like just on like a, a stroll. And I look from the top of this hill towards that volcano and it looks exactly like Peter Jackson's, uh, this is from Ray. It looks like Mordor, right? It looks like Mordor. There's a, there's a line. That's of exactly what I said. A, a peak and then like spewing orange in the sky. You can see it rising and falling and, and like an actual like giant, this is, you know, 15 miles away or something too. Mm. And it, it, it's cartoonish. It, it was, it's unbelievable, you know, That's, and just sitting there like in a green field, people are playing soccer at midnight or whatever next to you. And there's like, <laughs> this thing in the distance. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah. But did just, you watch it? just last night we pulled up this Icelandic volcano video. And I said that exact same thing. This looks like Mordor. And I realized 
Ingo has no idea what Mordor is yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I bet Peter Jackson had probably has that same experience in New Zealand, and they probably. I mean, it's all faked in the movies, but you know, yeah. if you see that in real life and like think what a volcano looks like, it's like it, it's like a cartoon. It's like, it looks like exactly like it should. It's great. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Carlos in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Let the questioning begin. What kind of games they playing over in Pennsylvania? Colin, do you remember what the game was last time you were on? Uh, yeah, it was Wii Fit, and we got it really quickly. Nice. How do you just? I don't even remember what the game was last week. <laughs> oh, actually, can I do something? Because yeah. I, yes. I messed up the way I phrased the question last time. And okay. It was really stupid. So I want to re-ask the question right this time. Okay. Uh, was this game originally released on a cartridge? No. Okay. Oh, is it Wii Fit? We're done. <laughs> Remember, if you guess wrong, you lose. All right. If you guess wrong, it's been a great episode, die. everybody. <laughs> um, okay. Well, was this game originally released? I mean, was it worth asking if it's on a CD? Is it worth clarifying that, or do we assume well, that? We, it could be our, it, it could, yeah, or it could be like just download only type thing. We could also do a year, and then we might get that answer based on that. Yeah, I, I, I was this game originally released on a CD? No, or uh, no. Well, oh, damn it! <laughs> I hope Damon didn't mean. I'm interpreting take that, that as like just a disc. DVD optical yeah. medium was I the think intent. CD is a, is no. a generalized term because it's a compact disc, right? Yeah, good point. As opposed to a giant disc, <laughs> yeah, a, la- a uh, laser disc, and the actual <laughs> compact discs were GameCube games. Yeah, they're the compactest mm-hmm. of all. Yeah, a CCD. Mm-hmm. So it's not on a, a disc or cartridge, is what you're saying. Yeah, or it wasn't originally. Okay. Originally, was this originally released in arcade. Yes. Okay. So, cool. Pre 1983. No. Uh, was it released in the 90s? Yes, that's five. Is it a fighting game? Yes. Oh, <laughs> is it Street Fighter Two? Um. Okay, well, we know it's a fighting game. What? Uh, okay, was it made by Capcom? Yes. Oh, is it in okay. the Street Fighter series? Yes. Okay. Not Street well, Fighter what? 1, that came up before the 90s. Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha, or Alpha 2, I think Street Fighter 3 was even probably still 90s. Uh, Turbo and Championship Edition were console only. They weren't in the PC. I mean, it, what, was this the second game in a series? Yes. Is, yeah. is Street Fighter 2? That's 10. Yes. Street Fighter 2. Holy crap. Wow. I'm so glad it wasn't Street Fighter <laughs> Alpha 2. I would have been so mad. This vanilla Street Fighter 2. Nicely did, done. Did they, did they have those like extra editions in arcades or was it usually yeah. just the original number? In yeah. No. Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior was the first one. And then they did oh, yeah. Street Fighter 2. I believe in the arcade version, the first one that was out was Champion Edition. And that has the boss characters in it. And lots of people played that one. Then, I don't think I think those were on console only. No, there, there's arcade uh, uh, boards. boards. Yeah, they did those with it, and you saw that. And then there's the rainbow games, which yeah, are I know legs where they messed with all that stuff. Well, and I know the Turbo Edition. I don't know if this was ever officially supported by Capcom, but those started as like a, a coin-op operators modifying their game so that it would run Turbo Speed at like the request of, you know, they were doing that on behalf of their players. And then I don't I don't know if Capcom ever. 
you know, officially supported that or not. That's why Miss Pac-Man then, exists is for modifying Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah. Being licensed. And Fast Miss Pac-Man is also a modification and it's very good and basically the definitive version. If you play slow Miss Pac-Man, it's not even fun. Wasn't it a bunch of like MIT students who were like illegally doing that and then they got sued and then I think they ended up going to work for Atari or something like that? Or, well, yeah. Whoever was trying to sue them. Midway in the United States. Midway, States. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And in fact, there's a great GDC talk um, by one of the speakers, which must have just happened because I got like one of those weird like photo reminders on your phone with with him in a picture. Mm -hmm. He was at IGN. Really, really cool story behind that, though. It was called Crazy Auto, and it had a little walking version of Pac-Man, like with legs. And that was like, but they changed up the phases and that was the the innovations. And then they did a whole branding as Miss Pac-Man, which is brilliant. And completely unacknowledged by Namco now. Yep. Street Fighter 2 completely changed uh, arcade competition from high score chasing to just <laughs> trying to beat your other human opponent. Yep. Right. Because Street Fighter 1, wasn't it like literally just Ryu and Ken or something like that? Yes. It's just, yeah. it's just like, I, yeah. I think those are the options. And then you, the original version of that arcade cabinet was the one with, the, with big buttons that you hit. And yeah, <laughs> a, a low punch was a light hit, and a hard punch was a high hit. And I have never seen one of those in person. It's even hard to find pictures of them because they. Broke that them. seems like it would break so easily. Yeah, they uh, the Street Fighter Two, Damon. Just, so what a revolution in making money for an arcade game, right? <laughs> exactly. Of like, yeah. if someone was really good, they could sit there and stay. And even if you weren't really good, then it felt crappy because like your game was over in sixty seconds. But like yeah. paying a quarter to match up against somebody else is just brilliant like then nobody i mean i'm sure you still feel bad if you lose but like they, they could make 10 times as much money without it feeling gross and bad to the consumer mm-hmm. yep yeah i don't have any evidence to this but street fighter 2 i i would guess is probably the biggest arcade phenomenon that would have happened since pac-man yeah probably. i think it was pac-man to that i miss pac-man's the highest selling arcade game of all time and that was in the biggest year for arcades 82 so mm-hmm. pac-man fever and i can't real. imagine anything being bigger after Street Fighter, like maybe like some Dance Dance Revolution type of DDR did really well. I mean, it's cool and it was culturally pervasive for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely Mm -hmm. a a top five arcade phenomenon. We went to an arcade on our trip to Chicago and all the games are uh, mobile games now. Oh, Flappy Bird, right? Flappy Bird and Doodle God. Fruit um, Ninja. Yeah. You just play them on an arcade? And it's a big vertical screen too. Yep. So it looks like a giant version of a mobile game. Like it was easy to, oh, to port kind of, and you kind of sit in front of it or stand mm. in front of it. And it's like a big screen. There, if you, you know, there's that type of game and there's also like other big screen things. There's like a big screen yeah. Galaga and a big screen. I like those. Yeah. I like the big screen. The big screen Galaga is pretty good. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for your suggestion, Carlos and Hershey, Pennsylvania listeners and viewers. If you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop.com. And that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank Thank you, you, Colin. Always a pleasure having you on. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is iGen Gamescoop. We're out.
It's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly, but don't worry. I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.